Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real-Time Enterprise channel on Vantic TV, our video and podcast series of interviews with thought leaders and practitioners in digital transformation and the real-time enterprise. My name is Blaine Matthew, and I'm Chief Marketing and Product Officer at Vantic. Note that you can reach either myself or the guest by sending a note to realtime at vantic.com, and we will be more than happy to follow up. Joining me today is Will LaSalle, Chief Information Officer at cybersecurity company Lynx Technology Partners. Will was formerly head of consulting firm JLS Technology USA. He's also on the board of directors of the Society for Information Management and a fellow at the Institute for Digital Transformation. And he is also an advisor to multiple startups. Thanks, Will. I think we're going to have a great conversation today. Thanks, Blaine. Thanks for having me. You bet. That was quite a mouthful, all of your titles and companies. I almost didn't make it through, but I managed, I managed to, to, to get to the end. So obviously, you got a lot of great experience, and we want to hear all about it. Thanks. I'm excited, Lane. Thank you very much for having me. So the first thing I want to talk about is at, at the top of your LinkedIn profile, it says, you are known for creating order from chaos. Uh, what, what does that mean? Like, uh, you know, what, what is that? That must mean something to you. You must have seen a lot of chaos in your experience as a consulting CIO and, and in other roles. You know, definitely, Blaine, right? No one, no one ever contacts, no one ever calls me in, throughout my career coming up, right? And tells me, man, well, you know what? I made a hundred phone calls. I sent, you know, 30 emails yesterday. Everything works without a hitch, right? Everyone always calls me. Um, and things are down, all hell is breaking loose, I lost out on a million dollar deal, it was in my outbox, you know, I couldn't, you know, log in here, I couldn't log in there, it's always been like that, and it's just magnified, right, you get people saying, we've had a disaster, you know, we need to recover, um, you know, we've had so much of our intellectual properties on there, so bringing order to, to chaos means, you know, usually I'm called in, I'm calm, collected, and I got to figure it out, and, and get it fixed, right? And and at the end of the day, you know, uh, it, it becomes Vinny Vidi Vici, right? In my eyes, I love being able to come into that chaos, bring order to it, and then move on to the next fun challenge. So it's, yeah. I'm kind of weird in that sense where I love bringing order to the chaos, but then I get bored real quick, and I got to get to the next mess to fix up. <laughs> Sounds good. So how did you get to where you are today? What's your What's your backstory? Sure. So, you know, my backstory is I've, I, I fell in love with computers at a young age. If not, I'd be a surgeon right now uh, doing, doing surgeries. But once my dad bought me a computer, um, age 11, 12 years old, I fell in love with computers and I've just been doing technology ever since. Um, the great thing is I work in, in what I love. So it's not really work. So all day, every day, even when I'm not doing something that is quote unquote billable or, or for an organization, I'm doing fun projects with my kids and, and, kind of living vicariously through them with, with cool STEM projects and stuff like that. So that's what kind of having that love for technology and, and also just having the love for constant learning, right? Lifelong learning. Um, I, I have numerous degrees, numerous certifications, but it's all a byproduct of like a stamp on the knowledge and that journey of knowledge. And that, that journey comes from just having the love 
for technology. So that's taken me progressively through my career where I've been able to kind of be a subject matter expert and, and, and deal with a lot of the, the past technologies and a lot of the future, you know, technologies. Very interesting. Well, thank you. And sort of related to that lifelong learning you were just talking about, you actually recently wrote or published a, an article on the Real-Time Enterprise blog uh, talking about how CIOs need to transform or perish. What was the, what's the core thesis you had in that, in that article? You know, yeah, that's a, that, that was a great one. It was, it was just from a standpoint of seeing all too much where um, you have keep the lights on CIOs, right? And the I in CIO, right? Which is normally chief information officer. Um, you have some people say chief innovation officer, right? You gotta become innovative, right? You gotta keep up with the Joneses, keep up with the trends and the technologies. And the reason I'm saying transform or, or, or perish is you, you get people that stay in that mindset of keep the lights on. They wanna, what I said earlier was I, I'm a Vinny Vidi Vici kind of guy. I'm a, you know, order to chaos. I need chaos. I need to create order, but then I get bored. And I got to move on to the next challenge. You get sometimes what you get is CIOs um, and executives that want to stop and smell the roses. And then, you know, time and technology and the trends pass them by. Um, you end up two, three years and wow, you know, now you've got so much technical debt that it's hard. It's like quicksand. It's hard to get out of it. So the thought process around it was, is you got to transform you got to transform the organization, the culture, and your mindset to be a, a mindset of digital, utilizing digital technologies, being able to be innovative, but being able to have the core foundation in the culture and in the organization to adapt to change as it presents itself, even in real time, to be able to adapt that, to that change. Otherwise, time is going to pass you by. I can get into numerous, you know, I'm sure there's infographics that you'll see all over Twitter and everything like that showing you uh, Blockbuster or or you know, Yahoo or, or AOL, MySpace, you know, and what kind of happened and the lessons learned. Um, but, you know, pets.com, you know, a long time I used to have a running joke, you know, that, um, you know, uh, I uh, was with, with, uh, with pets.com, you know, I'm trying to say I bought my first goldfish from pets.com, right? Uh, stuff like that. So a lot of people, it falls on, you know, people forgot about pets.com and stuff like that. But then you have stories now, like, that are success stories it really is like, man, that's what Pets.com did in 99, 2000 with Chewy.com, you know, Chewy, which, which I'm like, what's the difference, right? But Chewy did it better. Chewy did it at a time that they were able to be more, uh, more agile um, and at a time where they were successful and had a successful exit selling to uh, PetSmart. So that, that's how I looked at it as, you know, you got to transform, you got to, you, you know, or you're going to die. You're going to end up like one of those aforementioned companies. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I've got a surprise for you, actually. I've got a original Pets.com oh, sock puppet right here. That's, that's awesome. Definitely. One of my, yeah. Uh, yeah, one of my uh, little holdovers from the first dot-com boom. I actually had it sitting right next to me on my, on my table. So when you brought oh my it God. .com, I had to, had Dude, to that's, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Great stuff. Yeah, right, a lot of people right. don't, don't remember that, but yeah, it's, it, you know, it was, it was ahead of it. When you look at it, it's ahead of its time. When you see the success story behind yeah. Chewy that just yeah. exited, you know, for, for, you know, 3 billion or something like that to yeah. test mark. Yeah. All right. Well, you touched on a lot of topics there, I think for us to dive in deeper, but fundamentally a lot of what you talked about was digital transformation. First yeah. thing I just have to ask, uh, you're a fellow at the society for digital transformation. What, what does that mean? Yeah. So basically, um, you know, the, 
the um, Institute for Digital Transformation, it's an organization that it's like-minded experts like myself that have been through the trenches, right? That have been able to, that have done successful digital transformations and they can um, share that knowledge with, with others. Um, we can, we speak on certain topics um, like, like that. What are the challenges? What's the challenges with, with people going from, for example, a traditional, um, you know, SDLC into going to an agile, agile scrum uh, methodology, How, you know, and a lot of it is, the way I look at it is standing on the shoulders of others, right? So I always love speaking to people and helping people when I, when I attend events or when I'm mentoring people and kind of having them live through my experiences, right? So, hey, this is the challenges, this is the pain points, this is what we experience. So the Institute really just helps people along that journey. Basically, it's saying, hey, you know, we've been there, we've done that, you know, we, we, we got the t-shirts or whatever like that, but we're able to assist um, and, and help you with, with the mindset because there's different ways to skin the cat, right? But, um, and also, I just think that, you know, I finished my MBA about 10 years ago um, and, you know, there's just things, I, I got a PMP 10 years ago as well, and there's just things within both of those, uh, my MBA is in project management, my PMP 10 years ago, and neither one of those two did I learn Agile or Scrum. Mm -hmm. I had to learn it after the fact. I had to go get a certified Scrum Master certification, yeah. you know, read on it. So again, going back to what I said earlier, lifelong learning, but um, it ends up being that, wow, you figure I got a degree 10 years ago. So imagine someone that got it 20 years ago or 30 years ago. You got to keep up with that. But if you can go to a repository where you can learn, where you can sit there and you can learn from other people and read articles, now all of a sudden you can get that concentrated knowledge um and i think it just at the end is in the betterment and to help better execute and deliver on transformation initiatives so it sounds like you know the fundamental notion of the society for digital transformation and, and a good concept generally is this is not about reinventing the wheel this is about building on the the learning and experience of folks that have been doing these kind of transformational projects for years we think of digital transformation as being you know, mostly about the, the new thing or something highly innovative, and it could be, yep. but that's not to say there isn't a lot of experience, uh, you know, of, of other people who've done similar things or related things that you can build on top of. Exactly. Exactly, Brian. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, let, let's see. So, Obviously, companies are, you know, everybody's talking about digital transformation these days. I think to some degree, it's, it's an overused term. How do you think in general, in your experience, companies are doing on, on that path toward transformation? Is it still mostly about keeping the lights on and maybe doing infrastructure transformation moving to the cloud? Or, or are companies actually changing fundamentally how they operate? What, do you, what are you seeing or what are you feeling out there? You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a combination of what you mentioned, um, as well as some of the, some of the other, uh, seeing the forest for the trees, right? So it's a combination of, you got some people that say, man, you know, we want to move off of infrastructure, um, you know, on-premises infrastructure and go to, uh, the, go to the cloud, right? Infrastructure as a service, platform as a services, microservices, software as a service, et cetera. Um, and they think, okay, that's digital transformation. And that's one part of it, right? But for some of them, it also has to be, you know, you, you got organizations. I worked at an organization that um, what they, they had a platform that was created to drive healthy habits, 
right? Uh, to drive healthy habits, to lower healthcare costs by, by um, having people. But what they didn't know is that, you know, data is the new goal. So all this data they had from this platform, where now people were, were sitting there and getting their diabetes checked, losing weight, smoke cessation, you know, and, and all this data that they had with demographics and everything, if they could just de-identify that data that's in our data warehouse, right, that, that's utilizing its purpose, now all of a sudden, this is another revenue stream, right? So now you're looking at digital technology. We just happen to be a company that we wanted to drive. We saw rising costs in healthcare. We wanted to drive those costs down. Now all of a sudden, we got data that can help, right? That can help identify demographics, help identify and not only um, bring down healthcare costs, but health companies that are doing research into mm -hmm. seeing trends, into seeing what's working. Um, and, and there's other examples of that. So I think digital transformation also needs to, to take into account what, where the market's going, what the trends are, how that technology can help organizations evolve, um, you know, even what their base product is and, and, and transform the company itself. Yeah. Now, since, you know, it, it, as we've just been discussing, it's as much about business model transformation as it is about a technology transformation. Uh, who do you think should fundamentally own digital transformation initiatives in organizations? Obviously, you're coming, you know, your background as a CIO, uh, you know, at multiple companies and a CIO for hire puts you sort of on the IT side. But there are a lot of people are saying, well, but fundamentally, DX needs to be driven on the operation side or the LOB side, line of business side. What do you what do you think about this uh, question about digital transformation, IT or OT? Yeah, no, and it's a great question, Blaine, right? And, you know, normally you would have someone that would come here and be completely biased, right? And, and I am to an extent, you know, I believe every company is a technology company and, you know, stuff like that. But um, when it comes to owning digital transformation, right, to me, the best qualified person team to deliver the results successfully should own it, right? So depending on the organization, if, if you got a kick-ass, I mean, I know CIOs and my mentor, he did not come from an IT background, right? I, I came up through an IT background, right? I fell in love with computers, everything. He came from the business and he, he's great. And um, with all my education, I even have a, a master's certificate. Um, with all my education, the best, 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 I tell everyone, the best education I got is my one hour a month, you know, calls with my mentor, you know, Frank Wander. Um, and it's because I would get the concentrated version. I would talk to him about a challenge and he'd be able to tell me, oh, well, that's simple. It's this, 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 or here's what you do. And I just sit there and my jaw would drop each time. I'm like, wow, you know, I went through all these use cases, business cases in, in business school, and, and none of it has prepared me as much for this, for, for what Frank's telling me from real world examples. So to me personally, it's whoever has the capability of A, being a leader, being able to, to, to take, take, the, um, take it by the reins and lead that effort, right? and can get you know, the teams to believe in that vision. That should be the best person, whether that person comes from IT or from the business, fine, because at the end, the intersection between business and IT, um, it blurs the line. And again, if you go back to my first thing, where every company is a technology company, then the IT is part of the business, right? It's not just a uh, you know, servant to the business. It is part of the business, and in a lot of cases, you're starting to see CIOs. I got good buddies of mine that were CIOs that are now chief customer officers, CEOs 
of companies that are not necessarily technology companies, right? Um, but they're, uh, they could be telecommunications companies and now they're CEOs. And that's because technology is part of the business now and a, a fundamental part of it. Hmm. Very interesting. Really interesting. Uh, so you've talked a lot about agility a couple of minutes ago, and you, know, you talked about agile scrum and some of the, you know, the technical ways of literally becoming sort of a capital A agile company. Is, yep. is that really, do you think, is that the core to agility or is there more to it than that? Um, I think, I think with agility, it's, I like saying learn quickly. Um, and, and, and you see, like I was saying earlier, uh, lifelong learning. And I like saying learn quickly. A lot of people say fail quickly, right? Or, or have a short memory. Um, I like saying learn because I don't think it's, it's ever failure. I'm one of those guys like, um, hey, he has a record of 32 wins and, you know, 32 W's, two L's. And the two L's are lessons, right? I don't say losses, right? Lessons. And, and that's what I think, right? As long as someone, um, to, to, for companies to sit there and, and increase their agility and become, they have to be able to learn quickly. They have to be able to embrace and, and foster a culture of idea sharing and, and not be afraid to, to, to fail, right? Um, or learn quickly, right? Not, not, not to be afraid of it um, because um, there's so many examples that you can go through, right? And you see all these motivational infographics all over the web of, you know, oh, you miss every shot you don't take, right? Um, and too many people are, are fearful. Um, and I just think that as long as you're able to learn quickly, you know, um, and try it, you have a lot of companies that do it. Years ago, I was uh, um, one of the testers for Google Glass, right? So I had Google Glass and everything. And Google wasn't afraid to, to come up with that, to, to challenge that, and then to sit there and say, hey, look, um, let's lift, we got to bring it back. We got to bring it back in house, do whatever, live to play another day, whatever, and reevaluate it. But again, they weren't afraid to challenge it, to come out with it. It could have taken off and, and there, there would have been millions of people as opposed to the initial 8,000 or whatever that had Google Glass, but they weren't afraid to take that, that challenge. And, you know, Apple's another company that does the same thing, right? I mean, I remember the iPad and the iPad launch and everybody making fun of the name, right? Alone, think about it, iPad. And at that time, and now it's like second nature to people, right? They all have iPads and I can't wait for the new one to come out, et cetera, et cetera. So you got to be able to kind of, um, because remember, they, they also came out with the Apple Newton years ago as well, right? That's and that right. failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely right. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. So one of my favorite parts of these interviews is when I get to ask a guest about what part of sort of conventional wisdom they, they would like to call bullshit on any particular mm -hmm. area where, you know, most people are saying X and you're saying Y. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, and this is just a, a rant for me. And even recently, I kind of tweeted about it, uh, you know, a couple of days ago, I think. So it's, it's fresh in my mind. And it's just really, you know, it's SMEs, subject matter expertise or subject matter experts, right? Um, you know, the, the expertise aspect, um, you know, I've, I've been in environments, I've attended events where somebody's a security expert or a cloud expert or a panel full of RPA experts. And um, they're speaking on things and it's like okay you, you're speaking on a panel about rpa and you're an executive recruiter what do you possibly know about robotics you know robotic process automation what do you know about artificial intelligence i know people that are speculative in the bitcoin market and then they'll turn around and they'll talk about blockchain right so what do you know about 
you know, blockchain. What do you know about, about this stuff? Except that you're investing. So you look into the research, you spend an hour a day. So now all of a sudden you're a subject matter expert. Um, and I'm someone that, you know, I, I've seen social media experts or SEO experts with 200 followers on Twitter. And it's like, well, if you're an expert, right, then I must be a super duper expert or something like that. So that's kind of like my, my pet peeve or, or, or rant, what I call bullshit, yeah. you know, because who knighted these people as SMEs? Is it just them calling themselves? And, you know, I'm, you know, I've always said and I always tell people, um, I should be from Missouri. I'm, ori I'm originally from New Jersey. I should be from Missouri because you got to show me, right? Like the only way I'm going to believe you is, hey, show me that you're an expert. So you say you're a cloud expert. Show me how you've migrated workloads into the cloud, right? Don't, don't just tell me that I should be migrating it. I got to keep up with this. Don't give me an infographic. Don't give me percentages, everything like that. Because, hey, I can Google that myself. I, can, I, I love reading. I can read these articles myself. So that's kind of, um, you know, the, the thing that's always been for me is who knights these people as SMEs? Are they just knighting themselves? You know, and, um, you know, why, why should I trust them? Yeah. And, and I get that all the time, all day, every day in events, on Twitter, um, people pinging me about um, opportunities and stuff like that. And it just ends up being who made you an SME, right. you know, uh, stuff like that. So. Yeah. Well, no, I, I absolutely agree with the core point. And I think blockchain is absolutely the worst I've ever seen. In that <laughs> because as you say, cryptocurrency has sort of ruined blockchain. It, it moved you yeah. know, the discussion out of being about a core technology, which is quite interesting. Exactly. A wide range of applicability and is now all about a, you know, a speculative investment uh, environment. And, and I think the general public can't really separate the two. Exactly, and, and the whole domain is just full of these SMEs, as you say, who are all looking for big, expensive consulting contracts to help companies figure out their blockchain strategy. And uh, you know, I've never seen anything like it. Actually, you know, you're right. AI, some of the other technologies, cloud, they they went through some of that to a certain degree, yep. but nothing to the extent of blockchain. And I think because exactly. it's tied to cryptocurrency and the whole investment and and money side. It, it attracted the SMEs like flies to, uh, you know, rancid meat, right? Yep. Uh, just un unbelievable. So I, I think that's a good observation. I don't know if that's a contrary opinion. I think most people would agree with you on that <laughs> point, but I think a well-made well point. So to wrap Thank it up, Will, uh, any key takeaways or tips for business leaders, maybe in particular, who are trying to figure out how to drive uh, transformation in their business? Oh, definitely. You know, uh, key takeaways and tips for business leaders um, uh, to, trying to drive uh, digital transformation is to really have an understanding of their core business people, their core business, the people process and technology, and what the impact of the digital transformation journey will be, right? Um, expect the unexpected, you know, plan, plan, plan. Me one, of, one of the biggest cliches I always use and my wife beats me up about is measure twice, cut once. You know, um, baseline, rebaseline. But one of the biggest things is, you know, um, 90 days post implementation is gauge the impact of the, the digital transformation, right? Uh, the benefits realization, right? What, what you wanted, when you started the journey, what was it that you were trying to accomplish? You know, 90 days post implementation, you know, did you accomplish that? And, and rinse and repeat, because depending on the, the time in your digital transformation, new technologies may have come out or new 
threats if you're if you're looking at it and doing a kind of a SWOT analysis to, to, to deal with it, right? So it's kind of re remeasuring it and and reinvesting. The great thing is like what we discussed earlier with the agility aspect, right? Change is good. So if you got to change mid-flight, if you got to change, if you completed it, and all of a sudden you say, oops, there's this new technology, we're going to go over here. It's okay to sit there and, and do it over. What's not okay is tying it with a nice bow to the article I did. It, it, what is not okay is not to have this culture because eventually if you just sit by, um, and I think there's an infographic about it, you know, if you sit back, then obsolescence will kick in, right? So you're going you're gonna to sit back and you're going to be that blockbuster. You know what I'm trying to say? You're going to be that Yahoo that, that just made all the wrong choices along the way because um, you thought, hey, there's no threat. Uh, one thing that Gary Vee, and I'll leave it at here, I, 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 he says is, you know, wake up every day, you know, thinking that you're, you're, you know, trying to being scared of your competitors, right? And I think if people adopt that kind of mindset, that there's somebody out there that's hungrier, you're, there's some company out there that's trying to eat your lunch, right? That's trying to disrupt you. If you can adopt that kind of mindset and that culture, I think it will lead you to, to be able to be innovative, to not be afraid to fail, to not sit on your laurels, and, and to really continue that. Because again, to me, digital transformation, it's not you want to go from A to B. Um, it's, it's a mindset. It's, it's changing, and it's being able to see the forest for the trees and being able to adopt, uh, adapt and you know, adopt a mindset of you know, real you know, real-time business strategy, real-time um, execution, and, and changing the strategy on the fly if need be. Perfect. I, I think that's a, that's a good bit of wisdom there. Digital transformation is not about A to B. I think a lot of companies think about it as A to B. It is a mindset, right, right on. Yeah. Very well said. Well, that wraps it, Will. Thanks so much for joining us today. Really insightful conversation. Those interested in hearing more of Will's thoughts can follow Will LaSalle on LinkedIn and also follow W LaSalle, L-A-S-S-A-L-L-E on Twitter. And of course, yes, you can reach out to me or Vantic anytime at realtimeadvantic.com. Thank awesome. you. Thanks for having me, Blaine. You're welcome. If you would like to subscribe to the podcast version of The Real-Time Enterprise, search for The Real-Time Enterprise on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you are already listening to the podcast version of The Real-Time Enterprise, please leave a rating or comment and let us know how you are enjoying the show.